0: Amen. Let's turn in our Bibles, please, to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis. Uh, we're turning in our Bibles to Genesis. If you can't find it, go to the first page of your Bible and turn right, and you'll be there. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, and we're reading from the verse 1. Uh, we're continuing in our series that we've been doing together back to the beginning. and uh, This is, of course, only our second installment And today I would like to speak to you under the title, God, our Almighty Creator. God, our Almighty Creator. Genesis chapter 1, and we're reading from the verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. We trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts this morning. Let's pray together with God's word on our laps. Our Father, we bow before you just now, we come before our great God and our almighty creator. And as we come to your word today, Father, we speak, we pray that as we listen to it and as we meditate upon it, that the Spirit of God, who hovered over the face of the waters, would indeed come and minister to our hearts today. We thank you, Father, that the Spirit of God The author of the book before us is here to aid us in our understanding as we come to these verses. Father, I pray for great help as I stand to preach your word. I ask, Father, that you would number me out for a fresh filling of the Spirit of God. I pray, Father, that you would grant to me the liberty that I need. And, Father, I ask that you would be pleased to minister. Speak, O God, in the stillness. Come and speak as we wait on thee. And Father, we ask this for your glory. And In our Saviour's name. Amen. Amen. Now we're thinking in this title, God, our Almighty Creator. Now as we introduced our studies in Genesis the last time, we quickly learned that if we're to understand the Bible as a whole, we need to come to a sound understanding of what is contained in the opening chapters of God's Holy Word. And as we opened our our studies that Sunday morning in Genesis, uh, the book of beginnings, we discovered that The opening book of the Bible has details concerning the beginning of the universe, the beginning of the world, the beginning of life, the beginning of the human race, the beginning of male and female, the beginning of work, and the responsibility that we have towards the earth. We discover in these opening chapters the beginning of marriage, the beginning of sin, the beginning of evil, the beginning of corruption, and the beginning of hope. And we stood back and we considered the overwhelming evidence that that the Bible reveals that God exists. And the challenge came to our hearts that last day as we came to the book of Genesis that we must uh, come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That the Bible, it's a book... That as a revelation of God to us, it's it's a book where God isn't explained to us, but it reveals God to us. And we come to understand it by faith and trust in the word of God. It's not an argument for the existence of God. It doesn't explain God's existence, but it reveals God to a sinful world. So last time we considered the first words in the Bible. We considered these first four words in the beginning God and this morning really what we're doing is we're going on and we're considering this fifth word in the beginning, God created. We're starting the series at, in Genesis at a slower pace, don't worry we will get through and um, we will quicken up but there's a lot to unpack, a lot of truths to unpack in these early verses in Genesis and I simply want to un- unpack these first two verses with Three simple thoughts this morning that will structure the the sermon around. And the first of those is this. We see that God created the universe. God created the universe. It is God who created absolutely everything. This is the simplicity of the statement we find in the first verse of our Bible. God created the heaven and the earth. Now notice again the opening words in scripture. It says, in the beginning... This refers to the beginning of the creation account. This is the beginning of time. This is the beginning of the universe. And before the beginning, nothing existed. There was nothing except God. Not even heaven itself had been created. There was no earth. There was no solar system. There was just God. And here, as we look at these opening words, it says in the beginning, God. We thought a little bit about this last day, but I want you to see the almighty God in these verses. It says in the beginning, God. Here, we've just opened, as it were, the front door of the pages of scripture. And immediately God introduces himself to us. And scripture is pulling back the veil, if you like. And it's revealing God immediately to man as we begin to consider that word created, we must come to terms with the fact that absolutely all of creation flows from God. God is previous to everything. The atheist says nothing plus nothing equals everything. The Christian says nothing plus God equals everything. All things have their beginning with God. Before there was earth, before the stars, before there was man, before there was anything, there was God. Now the Hebrew name given to God here in the first verse of the Bible is of extreme importance to us. The name given to God in this first verse is not Jehovah. And it's not Yahweh, which are two names that are frequently given to God throughout the Bible. The first way God chooses to introduce himself to us in scripture is to use a very unique name for himself and it's important to note that names in scripture are very important as they represent reality and they tell you about a person's character. So how does God introduce himself to us for the first time in the pages of scripture? What does God want to tell us about his character? Well, the name that God uses to first introduce himself with is the name Elohim. Elohim. E-L-O-H-I-M. Elohim. And the first two letters of that word, E-L, means God. And the ending of the word, Ohim, makes it a plural. Literally, it means God's. And the rest of scripture now makes it clear that there's one God. So how are we to understand this word Elohim? Our first introduction to God in the pages of scripture. Well Hebrew scholars they call this a majestic plural. It's a plural that's there to intensify our understanding of the character of God. And the name El for God can be translated as the mighty one or the powerful one. And for this to be a plural means that God is the almighty one. That God is the one who possesses all power. What an amazing opening to scripture. What an amazing introduction to our wonderful God. He declares himself first and foremost as the almighty God. The powerful one. The almighty one. The God who possesses all power. The very power that you have in your legs today, the very strength and health that allows you to come to this place, that allows you to perform all the tasks that you do, this power is given to you by God Almighty. The name for God, Elohim, is used two thousand over 2,000 times in the Old Testament. God wants us to know over and over again that he is the Almighty God. God God has unlimited power. God has supreme greatness. He has infinite might. And we learn right from the beginning, listening, that nothing is impossible with God. We're talking about the only God eternal. The God without beginning. God the uncreated creator of all that there is. And it is the eternal almighty God that we are immediately introduced to here. I mean, scientists want drama. They want a big bang. Do you want drama? Do you want a dramatic beginning? In the beginning, God, almighty, the everlasting one, created the heaven and the earth. That's a dramatic beginning to me. You know, it was Moses who under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote these words in Genesis. And he also wrote one psalm, and that was Psalm 90. And this is what he writes in Psalm 90, verse 3. He says, Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. God has existed throughout eternity past. He will exist right through time. And when this earth is finished and time is no more, in eternity future, he will forever be the almighty God. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. In Revelation 4 verse 8, we jump briefly from the first book of the Bible to the last. The hosts of heaven rest not day and night saying holy, holy, holy Lord God listening almighty which was and is and is to come. He is eternally declared the almighty God and throughout all eternity he will be declared the almighty God. This is the anthem of praise that is sung out to God throughout eternity and when we get to heaven we'll join the everlasting praise declaring God's holiness and his might This is the everlasting thing. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. So here we have, in the first few words of scripture, Elohim, the Almighty God. Things are hard for us. Nothing is hard for our God. Things are impossible to us. Nothing is impossible for my God. You know, in those words that we've read in Revelation, it's a reminder that the hosts of heaven are worshipping around the throne. And today I declare to you in the authority of God's word, the eternal sovereign of the universe is still on his throne. In the chaos that's happening in our country, when we look at things that are seemingly getting worse and worse, in the chaos that may even be happening in your own life, I wonder, do you see that God is still on his throne? Do we still see God in all his majesty, the all-powerful God? Does he still thrill us to the point that we can't help but speak of him? May what the world tells us never cause us to stop talking about and sharing our Savior and Almighty God with others. And in your trial and difficulty that you go through, in that impossible task that lies before you, that thing that seems too hard or that thing that you think will never happen, God is still on the throne and we know that our God, Elohim, the Almighty, loves and cares for us personally and individually. He enjoys fellowship with you, dear child of God. Keep trusting him because he is mighty and he is still on his throne the throne a symbol of sovereignty the throne Isaiah spoke of the throne being high and lifted up that's where God almighty Elohim is seated A.W. Tozer says God is always infinitely greater than anything that is said about him so God he's more sublime than all sublimity he's loftier than all loftiness he's more profound than all, all profundity He is more splendor than any of the splendor we can imagine he's more majestic than all majesty he's more merciful than all mercy and he's more just than all justice we need to get our eyes off the disappointment and disarray around us and confusion around us and lift our eyes to Almighty God. That's how he's introduced in Scripture. That is our God. That is the one we come to worship in this place. When we see him as holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, surely it causes us to take our eyes off the things around us and keep our eyes on him and our hearts rejoice as the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Dear brothers and sisters, God's still on the throne. Our Almighty God, get your eyes on him. We're introduced to our Almighty God, but we see that God created. In the beginning, God created The Hebrew word here is only used of God for the word created. It, It means that God created out of nothing. And when we create something, we need to get all the essential materials together and we move them around and we create a building or we create a car. But we have to have all the parts. We have to have all the materials laid in front of us, before us. And we just rearrange it and we put it together before us. But not God. When God creates, God creates with no material, with no parts before him. He simply speaks it into existence out of nothing. He created with immeasurable power. He created with incomprehensible genius. He created with infinite wisdom. Every detail, every dimension and molecule that exists was contained in the genius of God's mind as he created everything from absolute, to absolute perfection. A.W. Pink writes this, he says, coming fresh from the hands of their creator, the heaven and the earth must have presented a scene of unequaled freshness and beauty. And when God created, we'll discover over the next few weeks, he didn't create over millions of years. He created in six days, six consecutive days. They were not massive periods of time. He created all things in six consecutive 24 periods of time. When the sun rose to the sunset, that is the days of creation. Now note what it says. It says he, what he created here in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now this verse is more accurately translated, I believe, in other versions. When they write, in the beginning God created the heavens, plural, and the earth. Heavens literally means everything up there. Everything up there. The word literally means height. Height of heights. It includes all that is above the earth. It includes outer space. It includes our solar system. It includes the sky above, the stars, the planet, the suns, the galaxy. God spoke all things into existence. And listen, God spoke, God said universe, and there it was. God said heavens and the stars and the galaxies came dripping out of his fingertips. He created the heavens and the earth. He created earth, this terrestrial ball which we were born, upon which we live. And the statement here that we find, heavens and the earth, it's a mirror statement. In other words, God created the heavens and the earth and everything that is found in between. It's a bit like someone who has well-traveled and they come here and they say, well, I've traveled from the north to the south coast of the island of Ireland. In other words, they've visited County Londonderry to County Cork and every county in between. In the heavens and the earth, it's a very poetic way of saying God created absolutely everything. Listen, there's no beginning to everything unless there is Elohim. And to believe this statement, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, is to believe the true record of the Bible. It's to believe in an almighty God. And if you believe in an almighty God, you'll have no problems, no problems understanding this verse. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And he spoke all things into existence out of absolutely nothing by the power of his word. God designed everything that he created perfectly. This is the creation of the universe and it includes your life. You're made by God. You're made in his image. God used the secondary means of your parents, but your parents could not create life. Only God could create life. And with infinite genius, when it came to you, God knew when in history you should be born. God knew what gender you should be. God knew what height you should be. He knew what your IQ should be. He knew what your skin color should be. He created you with his power and infinite wisdom. God, he created you. And therefore I know that God has you here in this part of the world, in this period of time, for a purpose. God has you here for such a time as this. God has a purpose for your life right now. He wants you to use, he wants to use you in his plan for history. But I wonder, are you walking in his will? I wonder, are you seeking his face? Dear brother, dear sister, God has you here today for such a time. as this. isn't that special? I mean, God could have created this earth, taken a step back and let us get on with it. But rather every intricate detail, including the moment that you and I were born and would live and where we would live, to the fact that you're part of this church here at Grange Baptist... He, God knew exactly where he would put us and what he wants us to do. And he wants you to serve him in the context of where he's placed you. And there's so many application points here, but I want to finish verse 2 this morning. So let's move to this second point here. It says this, God created the earth. So God created the universe, and we see God created the earth out of all the planets, out of our, all the solar system, out of all the stars, All that God created in the heavens above, he narrowed his focus down to one clump of matter to the earth.
1: And it would be on
0: this earth that he would create man, not the moon, not the sun, not another planet. It would be on this earth that he created man. God fixed his focus upon the earth because it would be upon the earth that God would send his son, his only begotten son, to come to be crucified upon this earth. It would be this earth to which he would send his son in a time yet to come, to return again at the end of this age and to to sit on the earth in the future on the throne of David to rule for a thousand years. This earth, this planet upon which you and I are living, we are the object of God's focus. And God singled out this planet. This would be where God would carry out his master plan for redemption and for human history. And I want to break down this second verse here. It says this. It says, and the earth was without form. The earth was without form. The earth meaning planet earth was, meaning originally it was created this way without form. It was formless. It was just a mass of material." The blob of matter, the the Hebrew word for formless means without shape. It's used in Deuteronomy 32 for a wasteland. It's used in Isaiah 34 for a desolate place. It's used in Isaiah 41 for an empty place. There was just nothing there. It's used in Isaiah 59 for a a confused place. There was no order. There, There was no form This tells us that when God first created the earth it was uninhabited, it was unproductive, it was without shape, it was without life, it was deformed and it would need to be formed, it would need to be conformed to his blueprint. It was unfinished, it was just raw materials, it was rough around the edges, it was underdeveloped, underdeveloped, disorganised, unshaped, it was indistinct, you couldn't have seen it was the earth. Yet all the material that he would need was created and put there. I suppose in a way to help us understand, this is how I've come to understand verse 2. It's like an artist who has their palette and the palette just has the the, the blobs of paint on it. And here's a canvas, an empty canvas, a blank canvas. And at this point in verse 2, and the earth was without form, God is just putting all the blobs of color onto his palette. And it will, it will be from this palette that he would create a masterpiece, so beautiful, so stunning, that no museum would ever be able to hold the art. God puts this planet perfectly in order and into place. And at this stage, the earth's without form. But notice also, follow the verse with me, and the earth was without form and void. You know, that word void, it means there was no life. No life. There was nothing there. To evolve into into something else. It was barren. It was stark. It was empty. It was uninhabited. It was just void. Nothing there. But then the, the verse goes on and it says, And darkness was upon the face of the deep. It was dark, it says. Darkness was upon the face of the day. God will not create light until verse 3. God will not hang some light-giving, life-bearing planets until verse 9 through to 10. And at this point, the earth is completely engulfed in darkness. If anyone had been there, they wouldn't have been able to see their hand in front of their face. There was no light. And because there was no light, that means there was no light. And it was incapable of hosting anything. Darkness. It was pitch darkness. And it was as black as black could be. Uh, And God speaks here about the face of the deep. And the word deep here means deep water. The entire planet submerged under water. How do we know that? Well it first finishes and it says the spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. So the face of the deep it speaks about the whole planet being submerged in water. What God will do in Genesis 6 with the flood. The global flood it's already happened. It's not the first time there's been a global flood when God created the earth formless and void and darkness right around the planet. On top of that, a complete covering of water that covered the entirety of the earth's surface and the entire dark planet was underwater. You can see that for yourself in verse 2 of the Bible. But I want you to see God created the universe. God created the earth. But I want you to see that God's spirit came. God's spirit came. Look at what it says. It says, In the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. However, we're told that God, he was on sight, if you like, in the earth. God placed his focus on planet earth and the spirit of God is not static but is moving upon the face of the waters God placed his focus on planet earth and we see all the members of the Trinity were were present here in the beginning of creation now this is important because we know that the Lord Jesus was present too in John chapter 1 verse 1 we read in the beginning was the word the Lord Jesus and the word was with God and the word was God the same was in the beginning with God all things were made by him the Lord Jesus and without the Lord Jesus was not anything made that was made so God the Father, God the Son God the Holy Spirit, co-eternal all present and active in the work of creation and surely this should humble our minds because Elohim God Almighty, the all powerful one, God the Son humbled himself can you see his condescension the one who spoke all things into existence humbled himself and came to this world as a carpenter And he was despised and rejected and cruel men kneeled him to a cross and he willingly hung there. The hands that flung stars into space to cruel kneels surrendered. God, this is almighty God. And the truth of the matter is, verse 2, it's a great picture of us. It pictures your life. When you were created in your mother's womb, you too were born in darkness and sin. Because of Adam, we're all born in spiritual darkness in the ignorance of God. You were born empty and void without the Lord in your life. You were born without any spiritual life in you. And this is how we entered this world. And Paul tells us that we were once dead in trespasses and sins. You were drowning, if you like, in your sin. And your life was a barren wasteland, just like what we read in verse 2. You know, as soon as we read verse 2, as soon as as the Spirit of God is declared to be there, immediately creation begins. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light that it was good. You know, as soon as we hear of the Spirit of God hovering in verse 2 immediately, We see the first acts of a new creation. You know, dear brothers and sisters, there's one time that the spirit began to hover over your soul and hover over your empty life, and you heard and received the word of God. And the word of God was read to you, and the spirit of God came to you and convicted you and called you. And by receiving Christ as your savior, he made you a new creation. And I want to say something today, and you note this, and you note this well. A far greater work than the creation we're reading about in Genesis 1 has happened in every single one of our lives. You see, when God created this earth, it was child's play to him. He spoke and it existed. In order to make you a Christian, a child of God, a new creation, he had to send his son, his only begotten son, he had to send him to a cruel cross to die in your place. That's what we're reading about. In Genesis chapter one is child's play. In comparison to what the Father had to do in order to redeem our souls. To make us a new creation. It cost God everything. There was that day. There was that time, there was that moment when God said to you, let there be light. And in that moment, the light of the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ who declared himself the light of the world, shed his love and his, his freedom into your heart. And the light of truth came beaming down from the throne, throne of grace by the Spirit of God and lit up your soul. And you became a new creature. And a new creation in Christ. So, can I ask, has God shed his light in your soul? Maybe the spirit of God has been hovering over the waters of your soul for a long time. You've hardened your heart. You think of the creation of the universe and what an amazing beginning. The almighty God. Coming and speaking all things from nothing into existence. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. I wonder as the Spirit of God hovered over the waters of your soul for a long time. You've hardened your heart. Think of the creation of this universe. Amazing. I want to tell you, even greater. A new creation that could happen in a heart today. If you would trust the Saviour. There's a hymn that says this. I'll quote it as I close. It says, Thou whose almighty word, Chaos and darkness heard, And took their flight, Hear us, we humbly pray. And where the gospel day Sheds not its glorious ray, Let there be light. Spirit of truth and love, Life-giving, holy dove, speed forth thy flight. Move on the water's face. That's referring to Genesis 2. Bearing the lamp of grace, the gospel, the light of the world is Jesus. And in earth's darkest place, let there be light. Amazing verses to consider. Amazing how all of scripture points to our Savior, isn't it? And we look at verse 1 and 2 of the opening words in scripture, and it leads us to the one who gave his life for us, the one who gave it all, that that light, that the Spirit of God could do a work in our hearts, and we could be free.